the core aspects of tech refugees is really driven by the spirit of people and organizations coming together that is what not only creates the solidarity within our global community but also draws magnetism to other organizations to come together Welcome to episode two of season four of Starts at the Top, our podcast about leadership, digital culture and change. I'm Paul Thomas. And I'm Zoe Ammer. Our podcast brings you interviews with leaders from the public, private and third sector who are using digital to navigate uncertainty and forge a path to the future. In this episode, we talk to Raj Berman, CEO, and Noah Romani of TechFugees. We hear from Raj about TechFugees' mission and progress, and then from Noir about how she embraced that mission, how she works with TechFugees, and where the charity has taken her career. Before we get into that, though, we just wanted to briefly chat through uh, some of the latest developments in tech that have been on our radar this week. And obviously, the big story this week, again, has very much been about Facebook. And whilst we don't want to turn this podcast into the anti-Facebook podcast, there certainly have been a lot of news stories about the platform this this week, partly because uh, the whistleblower, Francis Hagen, was appearing in front of the committee who are looking at the online safety bill at the moment, which is currently being scrutinised by Parliament. And what was really interesting about that was that I hadn't actually uh, realised that Facebook's ownership is structured so that Zuckerberg and I think a small circle of people around him have a special type of share so that they actually have a huge amount of control over the business. So that was a really interesting revelation that came out of that appearance before the committee this week, which I didn't know about previously and says something about the the culture uh, and the distribution of power uh, in the platform you know it's the decision making processes as well isn't it it's all the power in the hands of one man and that is even more worrying when you sort of look at the the number of big tech organizations that are taking control of the way that we pass information backwards and forwards to each other on the internet and it's it's a it's a constant worry but i guess the the biggest reflection i have on it is i'm 99 sure that i should delete my Facebook account but my wife already did that with hers and so there's those those sort of times during the uh the the working week where well she also asked me to check something on Facebook because she can't any longer um and that's really the only reason I have any access to it but it does it does start to make you think about the platforms that you're using uh day in day out how you use them and how you feel about using them, I guess, is, is probably where my head is this week. I, I've had a really changing relationship with, with social media. My, my, my background uh, and, and where I've worked before, I've, I've played a really visible and leading role in encouraging people towards these platforms. And I sort of noticed about probably five or six years ago when I stood up in front of rooms full of people talking about the virtues of being on these platforms as a person in in business and why you should invest in your personal brand, why you should do all these these things. A sense, a nagging sense of, but do I really believe that that's the best thing for us? And you sort of see people that completely abstain from social media. I know I don't do that. I don't do that. I don't go on those channels at all. And it, it doesn't interest me. And it does start to make you wonder about the time that you sink into the platforms, um, how you engage with them, and just what the net result of that is for you and for your life and for your business, perhaps, if you use it for work. But also, 
the the pockets that you're lining so it's it's really faced me forced me to to sort of face my um my my sort of social media demons and look at them long and hard and i'm 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 not going to i'm not going to be ashamed to admit that i still haven't quite made the decisions that i think i need to make around those so how, how are you feeling about uh, all of this so what's it making you think about uh, I, I think the irony of for all of us working in digital is that we're often so busy advising people about how they can improve their own digital presences we probably don't spend enough time on our own uh so I, I absolutely feel like that. I do have days where I'm it's too busy to go on social media despite advising people they should always make time to go on social media so I do feel a bit guilty about that there are some platforms where I feel that I've got even more out of them over the last few years so I actually really like LinkedIn because it's a network for professionals and nerds and I do feel safe on there as well you don't seem to get as much Mm. trolling on that platform so I have a renewed affection for that but certainly for other platforms, my relationship with them has, has very much shifted. So going back seven, eight years, I used to be on Facebook absolutely all the time. But now, a bit like you, I only go on there when I really have to. And what I've also done as well is because I'm in quite a lot of uh, private groups covering things like um parenting and house renovations and other you know kind of like not very rock and roll interests what I've done is I've just set up notifications so I just can see what's happening with those groups when I go into Facebook I really only go in there for that purpose and I think it's really confused the algorithm to be honest because when I look at the algorithm the main feed it no longer seems to know what to serve to me and it's become far less all-powerful and far less useful because it's just serving me random bits of content so there you go maybe Mm. that is a a sign that once people start to use the platform in different ways it's perhaps not quite the all-seeing tool that Zuckerberg thinks it is yeah I've I've had a, a similar experience with Twitter where, you know, I have my my sort of regular group of cronies on, on Twitter, but whereas I used to sort of put stuff out there about the work that I was doing, I don't so much anymore because I kind of, I, I reserve that for, for LinkedIn. It's where I get most engagement around the work that I'm doing. It's where I've been winning work and where I can talk about my work in, in safety, as you said. I mean, there's, there's, there's very little trolling on there that I've encountered, although I know it does go on. It's very little that I've encountered. Whereas Twitter seems to have forgotten who I am <laughs> or it's learning that the, uh, the other me is more interested in football and TV and news and cinema and all that sort of stuff and not the the business side of me. So I do have to work extra hard to see the content that I probably should be engaging more with on Twitter than the, the content that I actually am um, being served up. And I think some of the changes that Twitter has made along the way as well have sort of left me slightly behind on it. So I feel a little bit sad about that because I've always been a massive champion for, for Twitter and, and what it can bring. And I think in its, in its best world, and I think I see a lot of this still happening on there, there are certain communities that are very, very, very well served by Twitter. I think for me, it's more of a, a sort of an information source than a place that than a place that I want to spend a massive amount of time. But just quickly before we go into the interview, what what does that mean to the way that you're advising your clients on on how to use these channels? I still think you need to be on them I was talking to charity about this last week actually and I was saying to them well the 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 thing it is 
you do still need to be in the room don't you otherwise people are going to be on those platforms talking about you and you're not part of the conversation I would always rather be part of the conversation than not be in the room so I think definitely still have and develop and invest in being on those platforms but also look at where you need to manage risk as well and I wrote a piece for Charity Digital about that the other week which I can add in the show notes but also try and get people onto your own channels as well so whether that is your email newsletter uh, whether that's having a really great blog on on your website god I feel like I'm going back to 2005 giving people this advice but (laughs) (laughs) um, maybe that's the the place where we all need to set our time machines to now well yeah i mean just just sort of thinking back to those times you know there was there was all the discussion about you know writing your thoughts in in you know in, in a box and sharing it on the internet it was as simple as that wasn't it really blogging culture has sort of come back podcasting culture is as we well know is is starting to seep in so people are finding other ways of getting their thoughts out there in in sort of longer formats i guess um and maybe we're we're sort of using social media in a different way it's something that i would be fascinated actually when if um, anyone's listening to this who works in in psychology it would be really great to have a conversation about the the sort of the changing habits and, and where we're getting to but it just it, it's all of the, the facebook stuff has just really shone light on on you know why am i using this what am i using it for and you know who's benefiting if i'm not benefiting then i shouldn't be there and if uh, somebody like mark zuckerberg is constantly uh, benefiting from from my use of the platform then you know do i want to go and spend my time somewhere else anyway if that's enough of that then we can move on to our interview Yes, yeah, so just very, very briefly, something I just wanted to mention before we do that. Uh, obviously, another big development that's going on this week in the news is COP uh, is going to be kicking off over the next few days in Glasgow. And I saw a really interesting question on Twitter this week uh, related to that. You see, I can't stay away from the platform about the mm. environmental impact of hybrid working. And that's not something I've seen a lot of resources out there covering. I imagine it's a very new area to be doing research in but I was just going to say to any of our listeners if that's something that you are looking at or you have seen any useful research on do drop us a line do tweet us at at starts at the top um, because we would really like to find out a bit more about the uh, developments in that area. Yeah, I saw one really interesting thing about uh, organisations who are going for zero carbon emissions and how that completely shifts towards being able to vouch for your employees that your employees have green energy tariffs, aren't using you know uh, more electricity, more um, more fossil fuels than they would be in the office environment. So there's a there's a great shift there coming. So it'd be great to to hear from our listeners on that. And again, yeah, maybe we can get somebody on to help us explore that issue mm. a bit more. Mm, yeah, I may have someone in mind for that for our next season. Aha, uh-huh, sneaky. Mm. So now for our conversation with Raj and Nawar. And just a small heads up that Nawar joined us from the Lebanon and the line was a bit sketchy in places. It took her a while to find a Wi-Fi connection that would actually hold up. In the end, we think we got there pretty well, but we really enjoyed our conversation with Raj and Nawar from TechFugees and we hope you do so too. So we are very excited to welcome to Start at the Top today two very special guests. Raj Berman is the CEO of TechFugees, a global impact organisation empowering inclusion and dignity for those displaced with responsible digital innovations. 
He is a fellow of the Institute of Enterprise and Entrepreneurship with over three decades of international experience scaling high growth ventures across the private, public and non-profit sectors, working at the intersection of ICT, digital innovation and entrepreneurship. As an investor, he's successfully established several disruptive digital tech startups and led the UK Business Acceleration Scale Up programme for an independent body of the European Commission. So we're very pleased to be joined by Raj and we are also joined by Noah Ramuni. She is a business and communications professional. Uh, She leads the Spark Alumni Network. And as well as being a very talented documentary maker and researcher, uh, she's also a social media and community building coordinator at TechFugees Lebanon, where she's dialing in from today. She's also an articles writer and her work has been shown in Alf and our media, also for TechFugees and the Al Akbar newspaper. She's a female entrepreneur and the founder of Ghana Halabi. Noah and Raj, we are so pleased to have you here today. Welcome to Starts at the Top. Thank you, thank you, Zoe. Great introduction. Delighted to be here. Great. Thank you, Zoe. It's a pleasure being with you today. Oh, thank you so much. Paul and I are absolutely delighted that you're both here. Um, And one of the reasons why we are especially pleased to be having this conversation right now is that clearly we've had the whole issue of refugees and some of the key things that we really need to discuss as a society around that very much being uh, in news with the big story about Afghanistan uh, over the last few weeks. And that very much prompted us to get in touch with you guys at Tech refugees. This is an issue which I have a very personal connection with. Uh, So I'm actually the child of a refugee. And I'm a great believer of the incredible resilience, the incredible creativity, and also the, the innovation that just goes hand in hand with being someone who comes to another country and has to shape a whole life there. So we're absolutely delighted to be uh, talking to you both today. And we're excited to be digging into some of the uh, issues around that. So Raj, could we start with you? I wonder whether perhaps you want to kick off saying a little bit about what TechFugee is and, and what it does. Yeah, absolutely, Zoe. I, as you say, you know, the refugee crisis has hit the headlines now. What What is really amazing that, you know, every 10 seconds, one person on the planet is being displaced. And it's an astonishing number. You know, currently 1% of humanity, that's roughly about 80 million, just over 82 million people on the planet are displaced. And you know what? It's forecasted to, to grow to over 1 billion people by, by within the next three decades because of climate change being a catalyst. So as you see, you know, we've, we've got the, the ongoing pandemic crisis, we've got the refugee crisis. And so, you know, our, our landscape is changing. And, and what we need to do is to create a, a paradigm shift, a paradigm shift that changes the old ways of traditional styles of leadership, which is really about managing for results and kind of driving you know, shareholder value and profit to kind of reimagine new ways and better ways for us to kind of create the conditions for working together, for people to come together and organizations to come together to create positive outcomes to to support those uh, people who are displaced. I'm very fortunate to be chief exec for uh, Tech Futures, which is a role I've, I've entered since November of 2020. I'm a refugee. I come from a family of refugees. So this this topic is very dear to my heart. And so, you know, what, what, really, what really drives us as an organization is that we, we are an international nonprofit that actually brings together 
our partners, our volunteers, and the digital tech sector really to empower displaced inclusion with responsible digital innovations. We've got an amazing collective of organizations and people working together, looking at how technology and innovations can be harnessed to provide equitable access for refugees and displaced people to have equitable access to information, education, health, work, and their integration within society. So yeah, that's that's what we do at <laughs> the Tech Futures. Fantastic, thank you. Uh, and when we first connected about servant leadership and why you think this is such an important skill for leaders to develop, can you tell us a bit about what that is and why it matters so much? Absolutely. You know, the, twen- the 20th century was very much based around management of for private uh, shareholder value and results uh, and profit. Um, that is still very much relevant today. But in the new world that we live in, the aspects of servant leadership. So it's it's moving the paradigm that it's focusing rather than about me, it's about we. And so so it, it's you know as a CEO of a of an international collective, most of my role is is primarily listening to people. It's it's about the uh, sharing the power and control with our global community to work with refugees on the ground to curate solutions in a collective way with partners and organisations to actually make a difference to people's lives. I think, you know, given where we are uh, as a society, that, that we, we're, we're all digitally connected, uh, but also living in a, in a climate-stricken world, basically um, the real opportunity is how, you know, the commercial sector, which embraces, you could say, traditional styles of leadership in driving profit and shareholder value is much more resonant to working with organizations like ourselves, which is much more people-centric and driven by core values of, of empathy and humility to kind of embrace the duty of care towards the people that, that we work with. So yeah, we're very excited and, and we're seeing some amazing opportunities working with our, our partners and, and our organizations. But you know, this the nature of displacement is is not decreasing, unfortunately, it's proliferating. So uh, we do need more hands on the deck and we've got an exciting journey ahead working with some amazing organisations and people to, to make a difference. This is so interesting, Raj, because there's something here, isn't there, about how all those traditional styles of leadership that you mentioned probably have their roots back in the, the, the 1950s and some of the thinking and frameworks that were developed then. But as you say now, especially with organisational hierarchies and power dynamics shifting, particularly in this age of working more globally, more collectively and uh, hybrid working as well, uh, then that model really needs to be disrupted, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, history has taught us, Zoe, as you know, when people come together uh, and, and become united, uh, big changes happen. We've seen that. I mean, I come from, my, my heritage and my family are originally from India. And so my family were part of the freedom fighting movement of the Indian freedom movement. We've, we've seen walls getting broken down um, in, within Europe. And, and so, you know, what we're seeing, particularly within Tech Future, which is one of the reasons what really excites me is how people can come together and that's our small united actions together as a collective working together that actually can foster big change and so you know the at the end of the day we're, what we're doing is is bringing those uh, collective hands together in a lending way to help those who have fallen and and I and you know when I look at tech futures and what we try to do and look at uh, 
how we can represent ourselves. I could, the best way I could describe ourselves is in 10 words. You know, we have 10 fingers which, which embrace the way we do things. And, in, and those 10 words are essentially is together we can empower displaced inclusion with responsible digital tech. And, and with those words and our values, that's what actually draws magnetism with, with the thought leaders and, and the change in direction to work with people to make a difference. I really like that idea of of magnetism, bringing people with you, engaging people. And that's everything that I think servant leadership is. It's interesting. I'm doing a piece of work this morning around a big organisation looking to to do a big digital transformation uh, project. And when they break down organisational capabilities, one of the capabilities that's really important to them is agility, um, agile behaviour, agile ways of working, agile um, methodology, all of that. And um, servant leadership is one of the one of the skills that they are investing in uh, their people, particularly uh, around leadership, to to make sure that 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 spirit um, that you talk about is ingested into you know big corporate organisation. So, just interesting context there as well, perhaps. Absolutely, Paul. And I and I want to share. I mean, the practical aspects of servant leadership in terms of what tech features have have done. You know, at the height of the pandemic, uh, you know, giving you some concrete examples here, you know, when, when the pandemic happened, the, there's a couple of initiatives the community kept together. They wanted to understand how COVID-19 was impacting the, the displaced communities worldwide. And, you know, over, over a very short time frame, they, they developed a platform, an online platform, which basically brought together both top-down data sets as much as bottom-up, you know, uh, data sets coming from the ground, people going into the refugee camps, talking to people, have how COVID is impacting, and bringing that data to the forefront. And they brought that in, in a digital way and, and represent that on a, as a global map, basically, so you can see where the hotspots of how COVID-19 was impacting the community worldwide. And that's really insightful of how quickly, you know, a community can come together to, to make a difference. Now, the outcome of that is, is that we had a very specific initiative in, in Kenya, in Kakuma Kalabay refugee camp, which is home to about well over 200,000 refugees and, and displaced people there. We worked with refugees in that camp. And, you know, at the, at the height of the pandemic last year, you know, there was a real need to bring together emergency alerts to, to help the people on the ground. So what we did was our team over there in, in the camps, they worked together with the Kenyan Red Cross, uh, together with Google, together with Oracle, a couple of other partners to basically very quickly create another e-health solution, basically, to, to help the, the refugees to get those emergency alerts and, and you know, get treated in time. So these are, these are just some of the examples of you know, how we can come together as a quickly and, and how the aspects of server leadership can actually drive the results and create the right conditions for people to, to create outcomes. Before we, we dive in and, and speak to Noah in a second, but um, TechVGs has a, a really decentralised approach and you've always, already mentioned uh, some of the refugee camps, places you work. How many how many countries um, is TechVGs actually in and impacting at the moment? Yeah, great question. So when we started back in 2015, you know, TechVGs grew very rapidly within the course of a fortnight. We had presence at, I think, about 40 countries uh, at, at its point, high point. Now, managing that real estate was, was quite a challenge being a lean organization. So what we had to do uh, since the time I came on board was kind of look at the uh, mapping that to the current issues of, of the displacement hotspots. So today we're, we're in eight countries. Uh, four of them 
are in the Middle East and African region. So we're in Lebanon, Nigeria, Uganda, Kenya, working with refugees in, in the camps and also helping them to, to uplift to educational health content. And we're doing e-commerce, helping uh, women in Nigeria to, to Shopify themselves and creating an international digital corridor for remote working for, for these refugees. The upside is that we want to create a pathway for these individuals to participate in the digital economy. And so we are also present in Canada, uh, where the team over there are helping them to, to create pathways for affordable housing, which is one of the big issues. Uh, we're also in the UK, in Germany, France, we're helping women uh, refugees to get access to digital jobs, helping entrepreneurs who are refugee-led kind of help them with their setting up their businesses. So essentially allowing them to get access to information as they move towards migration and their settlement towards, you know, uh, as part of their safe passage towards that. So that's where we are at the moment. Fantastic. Thank you. It's, it's so great to hear about what TechFuji does and the impact that it's, it's having. It's super. So we're going to dive into this a bit more now and I'm going to turn to Noir. Noir, we're so pleased you're here today. We would love to hear how you came to be a TechFuji's volunteer. Yes. Uh, hello, Zoe and uh, hello, Paul and Raj. First of all, let me share this short story about how I became a volunteer with TechFugees. I still remember when I graduated from the Lebanese University, Lebanese International University, I was asking myself, what's next? You know that we are Syrians and we live in Lebanon and we don't have any right to work and so on. And we need, of course, we need to gain uh, some experiences. So I still remember that I attended a session uh, that given by uh, someone named Ahmed Sufyan Bayram. And Ahmed Sufyan Bayram is a trainer and he is uh, a volunteer with TechFugees. Uh, so he was uh, sharing his story about how he became uh, the person who is uh, today. So I still remember that he was sharing his story and I was seeing my, my memories while he's sharing his story. So I, I noticed that it's not about someone's story. It's about the Syrians. I'm speaking here. We are sharing the same story or the same memories, especially after the war in Syria. And he just like inspired me to start working on my skills and my experiences. And he gave me that hint to develop my skills. If you want to, to know where you are going. Uh, you need to start volunteer to to just like to search the, the the strengths that you have and the weaknesses that you have and work on them to develop your skills and so on. So this is how I start. I still remember that I made some research about uh, Ahmed Sufyan Bayram, and I found that he is a volunteer with TechFugees, and I just uh, uh, write a message for uh, TechFugees on their website and I notify them that I would like to become a volunteer with you in Lebanon chapter. Quickly, uh, Louise uh, contacted me and uh, linked me with the leader here in Lebanon, Harut. And Harut contacted me and told me everything about TechFugees. And he mentioned that volunteer means, being a volunteer means to work without, um, not, without uh, any, um, you know, giving back. So I said, yes, I don't want anything from you. I just want to, to work on my skills and to give more maybe while contacting with people and, uh, you know, having some links, you, you, you can develop your skills. And this is how I start with TechFugees. And quickly, the global team in TechFugees start working on my skills and they learn me or teach me how to, to become a, a communicator and how to build a community and now I'm the communicator here in Lebanon chapter and we are working so hard with the other Syrians after 
became um, just like um, and, a, and a good example for other other Assyrians here in Lebanon. You know, when when we are sharing the same story and the same memories and finding good examples that standing in front of us, we are trying to to just doing uh, the same that they did. So, like I. Uh, inspired by someone else, I'm now working as an uh, inspirational uh, person to other Syrians here in Lebanon. Fantastic. And you remind me of uh, the way that you are juggling so many different plates and uh, wearing lots of different hats and doing all these amazing things of, of that uh, resilience uh, that refugees have. And we'll, we'll come onto that in a moment. But is there anything that you'd like to share about what you're currently working on right now? Uh, yes, um, you know, like you mentioned in the introduction, that I'm I'm multitask. <laughs> While I was trying to find my strengths, I I worked in many different fields to to find my weaknesses and strengths, and I found myself finally that I'm writing articles to inspire other people and sharing stories. Besides being an entrepreneur, uh, that I have my own um, business now, so I can share that with uh, the that Syrian community here that are not allowed to work uh, because of the the law here in Lebanon. So I start inspired them about how to build their own business or small business. I'm also an article writer, like I mentioned before. So I'm sharing some stories that inspired them because you know that um, being a multitask, uh, giving you uh, lots of experiences. So you can share those experiences with other with other uh, communities or other people to 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 lead them to the right track to not wasting time like how you waste your time while trying to find your your way. So uh, yes, I'm working in this with refugees and other NGOs, just like you mentioned before in Spark Alumni Network. You know, I'm I'm trying to lead the community um, as a good example to them that there is nothing impossible. Change is possible. And um, we only need just like uh, inspirational speaker people to motivate us to keep uh, our hard work and to inspire other people also, just like how we inspired by others. And in this way, we can continue uh, working on our, our skills and to develop our skills and to inspire others. And, you know, just like a sustainable circle here for the, the, the Syrian community or the refugees in general. Absolutely. And, and all those personal qualities that you described there, Noir, of resilience and creativity and innovation and entrepreneurship and being a fast learner, uh, those are all qualities that I, I've seen in, in my mother, uh, which I think are very much down to the, the experiences that, that formed her. And in your work with uh, other refugees, yeah. Do you think are those qualities that you've also seen in other people who, who also uh, experience being displaced? And, and are there any others that you would add to that list? Uh, yes, you, you have no idea how you, you, you can be surprised by how talented they are. Um, I still remember that I, I from from a while I was looking for uh, someone, um, an Arabic speaker, Arabic native speaker, and you know we have two accents here, uh, the formal one and informal one. So I was trying hard to find uh, a good speaker, and I found a female refugee here who is very talented, not only with the speaking in Arabic language, the official language. She she has that way to. Like while she's speaking, you 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 can imagine the whole conversation in your head. She's unbelievable. I I've never heard someone just, just like her. So yes, you can while working with refugees, you you get surprised by 
there is lots of talents around, but there is no one that trying to find them or trying to, to lead them to the right track or trying to, to work on their skills. And I think that this is my job here with TechFugees to find those talented and put them in the right track, to, to link them with the right uh, market or the right places that they are looking for to become a good example for other community also or other people. So yes, working with refugees is something, I don't know what, how can I describe this, but it's something, it's something fabulous, knowing those people and knowing how they are working and how talented they are and how they can inspire you in, in the, at the same way that you are inspiring them. So yes, you, you, you have to, to maybe deal with some refugees around to, to know or to understand more what, how I feel or the whole experience that I gain, it's all because of them, not because of, of myself or because only the organization, because the organization gave me this, this opportunity to deal with refugees and this is how I gain my experiences. There's a wonderful circle there because I really like the idea that you heard your story through the the, the voice of another and now you're probably doing the same for a, a whole other generation and group of, of refugees yourself oh uh, yes like i mentioned it's just a, like a sustainable circle like giving and taking all the time from people it's like yeah. networking dealing with with people with real people around fantastic thank you uh so i wanted to uh pick up on a, a theme from the previous conversation that that we had earlier so we've talked about uh, collective action and how tech refugees enables that to happen and i know central to this is a real philosophy around human-centered design and empathy so raj can you tell us a bit more about what that looks like on the ground and and how you foster that yeah, I think it goes back to your early conversation of what Noir mentioned. It's, it's about a change of perception, right, of, of seeing the wealth of people, right, as opposed to seeing them as refugees. You know, the, the core aspects of TechFugees is really driven by the spirit of people and, and organizations coming together to kind of soak ourselves with values that we call drench. Uh, you know, the, each, each letter of the word drench represents a fundamental value that everybody in our global community embrace. And so we have D for dignity, R for respect, E for equality, N for neutrality, C for commitment, and H for humility. Now, these values, their six values are so important because that is what not only creates the solidarity within our global community, but also draws magnetism to other organizations to come together and drive a collective force to, to work with people on the ground. So everything that we do in terms of looking at digital, you know, how we harness technology and innovations on the ground in a frugal way with the refugees is, is on the basis that the human-centric design embraces the empathy, the underlying value, the sentiment of empathy, and, and the collective action by all the different organizations and people on the ground to make a difference. And I think that that is that is fundamentally where I would say you know the traditional commercial models see a unique opportunity where they are looking to develop new products and new solutions. Yeah, with, with the changing dynamics, you know, it's very, very competitive now to, to bring out new solutions in the digital environment. Our product life cycles are so short, but there's a real opportunity to kind of harness the untapped talent, you could say, and the you know bring elevate those unheard, unseen voices to the forefront to allow organizations who are bringing new solutions 
in a humanitarian way to be much more competitive at the same time to develop their own brand ideal and to, and to portray authenticity in the work that they do. So we're seeing some great examples of that. And um, you're, we're, we're looking forward to kind of accelerating our efforts. We're working with the you know, the private sector to, to enable that in respect of the urgency of the actions that we need. I think that's really, really interesting. And I just um, to bring Noah back into it as well. I mean, how do you both see this? But Noah first, how do you see this um, TechFugee's model? And how do you how do you think that's going to impact? Uh, or what does it tell us about the future of organizations and of leadership as a whole? Yes, like I mentioned uh, uh, before, that uh, working with the, with the refugees will inspire, will uh, surprise you of about how talented they are. So this is how TechFugees is working, like uh, just like giving trainer trainings for those uh, refugees to find their uh, their uh, talents, uh, maybe because they don't know uh, their strength, like ha- how I was before start working on my skills. So yes, we're giving trainings for those refugees. And trying to find their strength and their weaknesses to work on their weaknesses first and lead them about uh, how to work on uh, with the, with both of their strengths and weaknesses. And they're uh, trying to uh, link them with the market, with the right market to to just like open to to open the door for more opportunities for them to survive. Uh, some of them became um, just like freelancers to work outside and gaining some uh, income to to survive and help their families and the loved ones. And some of them became uh, just like me, volunteers and having uh, their own uh, small businesses and they are working on their businesses. And uh, yes, we'll continue working in this model to just like find those uh, refugees working on their skills, uh, develop their skills and link them with the right market that suit them, even if it's remotely or it's locally. So for me, this is a great uh, model, especially after COVID-19, because COVID-19 opened this uh, opportunity to work remotely. So yes, we're always trying to link some uh, organizations that outside of the Middle East and trying to make deals with them to to train our uh, community and then link them with the uh, organizations to work together. It's again, it's another another example, an extreme example, I guess, of um, what we've heard throughout the podcast. So throughout the four seasons that we've we've done a podcast that was born was imagined outside of uh, the pandemic and born within the pandemic and and that's the, the 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 massive opportunity that it's brought to so many yes it's been a, a really really tough time it's been so so hard and lots of people have have, have lost their lives and love uh, and loved ones but it, the the flip side of that is is the opportunity that it's brought both to organizations to leadership and to 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 visibility i guess of of um, people that have have so far been not invisible but you know hard to hard to see i guess yeah absolutely paul i i also just wanted to add you know if i look back at tech Fuji's heritage you know it, it, it was all born out of a, a tech for good movement and so over the last six years we, there's been a lot of great learnings as to you know what is good about tech and also what is bad for tech as well and uh and the, you know one of the one of the interesting outcomes of all of this is that you know we we've now got an open source type of framework which we call our guiding principles, uh, which are equivalent you could say digital you know sustainable development goal beacons as it were to help you know entrepreneurs and innovators and even corporates to to embrace those guiding principles from a human centric perspective, 
uh, to bring you know good good solutions that actually are most valuable to people <laughs> at the end of the day. And and the real opportunity here is that you know we see innovations and entrepreneurship being two sides of the same coin. And it gives us the opportunity as an organization to migrate, I would say, from a tech for good environment to a much more tech for all, uh, being, being much more inclusive. And I think what's fueling all of that is, and it goes back to what Noir said, is that, you know, at the end of the day, refugees and displaced people are incredibly investable. There's a lot of wealth of talent, which is untapped. They're able to see the negative spaces between objects that maybe you and I can't see. They are incredibly tenacious and, and the perseverance and a very, very strong backbone, which are amazing qualities for any entrepreneur to set up business, uh, particularly in, in challenging times as we are today. But more importantly, they have the worldview. And, and with that, they're able to, to cross boundaries. So as an organization, you know, what we're looking forward to doing is you know, continuing our efforts internationally to kind of break down the barriers of perception of refugees and displaced people, but then more importantly, harmonize it and, and strengthen the narrative of the wealth of talent that's that's really out there within the displaced communities. As I say, every voice counts. It's a massively inspirational story. And I'm just wondering, our listeners are made up of leaders from all sorts of different organizations, some corporate, some charity, some, some public sector. If they're inspired by this and if they would like to get in touch, how can they um, get involved and how can they start to connect with TechFugees? Oh, great. Uh, please, we need more hands on the deck. Um, the, the nature of our work is and the displacement issues is not going away. It's proliferating. Please feel free to reach out to us at the simple ways is send us an email at hello at techfugees.com or visit our website at techfugees.com. I can also share so my story here. <laughs> when I contacted TechFugees at the first time, I went to the web website, their website, and then went to LinkedIn and found who's, I was trying to find who's working at TechFugees. So this is how, how I uh, contacted Louis. Yeah, and, and the, the, the community or the, the uh, volunteers in TechFugees all are uh, welcoming, very, very warm welcoming. They will answer them immediately. Not only inspirational, but fast response time as well. So is there anything else you want to add? I just wanted to say thank you so much to Noir and thank you to Raj for, for sharing your story today. I've been absolutely bowled over by the phenomenal work that you guys are doing at such a time of, of need. And it's it's just wonderful hearing about how the, the amazing uh, resilience and innovation uh, that comes with being a displaced person is, is, is being recognised as well as that absolute well of talent that's out there. Uh, so thank you so much for doing what you're doing. Oh, thank you, Zoe. And thank you, Paul, for, the, for hearing our story. We're, we're super delighted that we're We've been given the opportunity to share our stories, but uh, we warmly welcome uh, anybody who wants to come and work with us and help us in our in our cause. Thank you, Thank you Zoe. Thank you, Paul. Thank you so much for everything. Thank, thank you. you very much for coming on. Thank you. So thank you to Raja Nawa for that interview. Um, Zoe, anything that you took away from the conversation that we had with them? Well, it meant a lot to me that they came along to have that conversation, because as I mentioned, I've got some personal experience in, in my family of, of refugees. So it was great to hear about the creativity and the innovation and the, the problem solving that people who have had that experience have and how that can be a massive asset to the organisations that they, they work with. Uh, so I really heard that loud and, and clear from Raj Benoit, and that was great, really inspiring. 
Yeah, and we've already heard from a couple of people, including our own podcast editors, that they were inspired by listening to the interview and uh, want to get in touch with uh, TechFugees to see how they can they can help and how they can contribute. So I think there was a, a great call at the end there from from Raj about how different organisations, different sectors can can get involved in the work that TechFugees are doing. So. If, you, uh, if you're interested in finding out more, do get in touch with either us or directly with Raj and, and Nawa. They're both um, fairly active on LinkedIn, especially Nawa. So I'm sure you can find them there to have a bit of a conversation with. We'll include links to that in the, the show notes. Perfect. So thank you for listening to episode two of season four. We'll be back next week with another episode, which will be with Kenneth Foreman and Steve Foster of London Marathon Events, which was a great conversation, really fun. We're really excited about sharing that one because obviously this year was the first year they have run the marathon as a hybrid event. Everyone's talking about hybrid at the moment. So we're looking forward to sharing their story uh, with all of you very soon. As usual, please do send us your feedback. We'd love to hear about anything that you feel you'll do differently after hearing from any of our guests on the series. You can share your plans, ideas or questions with us on Twitter. We're at Starts at the Top 1. And you can email us at startsatthetoppodcast at gmail.com. And yes, we'll stay on Twitter for at least the duration of this season. We'll probably still be there afterwards, but we will respond to your questions. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, everyone, and we'll speak to you soon.